Welcome back to America Speaks. Have we come to a place where we are numb? I have been wondering. Numb from the onslaught of one unthinkable act after the other. This may be true because we seem to have lost our appetite for taking in any more bad news, which of course is understandable. But where is our compassion these days? We must never close our hearts to children who are suffering. I believe we have a responsibility to the children who are being put through unimaginable consequences because their families have fled the violence in Central America. These families have risked everything to find safety for their children. These families have no other choice but to get their kids out of harm's way. But five children have died in our custody. Five children who came here to escape death. We are paying tribute to these five lives on this Memorial Weekend, as well as to all the children who are in our custody. Today's episode on America Speaks welcomes back Allegra Love, the powerful immigration attorney who is reflecting on what she is seeing on the Texas and New Mexican border and bringing us clarity of the brutal circumstances that these families continue to endure as they wait for their asylum applications to be processed. Allegra, welcome back to America Speaks. Yes, absolutely, and I can't echo what you're saying enough. We're sinking lower and lower, but for... Um People who are in my line of work, it feels like the bottom has fallen out. And we're in free fall right now in terms of understanding just how terrible we can be and horrible we can be to our neighbors to the South who are suffering and the refugees who are seeking. You know, this is not a political conversation. Yeah, and I think it's mistakenly characterized, like you said, as a political argument or a bipartisan argument. That's all it is. And to turn it into a political debate and to think that you have to take sides on this one is losing the opportunity that we all have to embrace a situation with love and to think of solutions and policy answers to this problem that are based in love and caring and opening up our arms. Anyone can do that. It doesn't matter if you're Republican. It doesn't matter if you voted for Trump. You're not required to fall in line and justify tear-gassing babies or having people sleeping in the streets south of the border or seeing people detained in this country. You know, I think that we use the political mask. Yeah, I was looking at comments from reasonable people on Facebook, you know, people who I wouldn't assume hateful. And they said, you know, better tear-gas than bullets. They seem to be missing the point that we don't have to fire anything at these individuals. We don't have to hurt them at all no requirement that they be stopped, that they be met with violence or be met with force, that we can literally meet them with love. So justifying gassing people because it's better than bullets is just in the point entirely that we don't have to use force at all. And that traditionally we never have. Now, I am a expert in the field of law, and I am an attorney. I practice federal law. I practice asylum law. When people ask for folks to do this the right way, and they say, please immigrate to our country the legal way, the masses of people you're seeing up against our border right now are doing it the legal way. So if you're one of these people who's like, I'm fine with immigrants as long as they do it legally, 
Every single one of these folks down the border are trying to do it legally. There's nothing unlawful, even irregular, about what they're trying to do. So, Allegra, I think that's a really, um, a really important point because I was listening to some commentary last night, and for those of us who understand that this is legal, of course there are a lot of people that don't understand how someone who is not a part of our country can still apply to somebody who isn't under our Constitution because they're not an American citizen. And their point was, it is absolutely illegal for them to ask for asylum. That does not guarantee that they will get it. And I think there's a disconnect between, you know, this this herd, this horde of wild, lawless people that are coming into our country. Not everybody will get asylum. And considering that there is something like 750,000 cases backlogged, the odds of people getting asylum with this administration are probably even greater diminished. Am I wrong in that? No, you're absolutely correct. People don't want to listen. All these facts are out there is basic information, and people prefer to adopt the ideologies that support their political position. I mean, it's insane that you could have an ideology about what the legal procedure, what is processed and fact, what is the substance of the law in the situation, that instead you would be like, this is my ideology around the situation, that it's not legal, but it is. We've become so, like, in our camp on this issue that we're refusing to believe the facts of the situation. I mean, excuse me of like trying to coach people to come across the border or I'm helping people speaking to the U.S. I've been on the Mexican philosophy trying to put people into U.S. custody. I'm trying to get people detained by our government. I'm mm-hmm. not trying to circumvent any laws. I'm saying, please detain my clients. Kim, you and I were talking about what the new face of this military presence is on the border. Do you have a question for Allegra on that? Well, I think that it's very easy for all of us to see that our troops are being put into a position that, frankly, that they didn't need to be put into. With all the money and the resources that we've used for that, we could have been setting up camps, warm, safe refugee camps, either in Mexico or in the United States or bilaterally, and said, look, we know there's 300 children under the age of five in that group rather than just aiding them into confrontation so that we can use a lethal show of force, we could have been spending this money to have our military setting up camps for them. That's the difference. Mm. We're choosing to confront it with force and not with love. I was with a small group of trans asylum seekers on the border. What I was going to mention was that I can easily understand the desperation that this crowd in Tijuana is feeling that would lead them to sort of charge at the border. This group I've been with is hunkered down in this abandoned shelter is the best way I can describe it. There's no heat, there's no running water. It's freezing where we were. And we're receiving, finally, humanitarian aid from a nearby United States city, but it's terrible and desperate and they're just like a couple cinder blocks away from being on the street and again they will not let them through the ports of entry and so that's a small group of about 50 people we've been working with now make it a hundred times more you know right that's what we're thinking of when we're thinking about what's going on in Tijuana. That's what I mean by the U.S. is dating them into this behavior. Barbara Lee, the representative from Northern California, Oakland, she has actually requested that the United Nations send observers and humanitarian experts to the border. We must have accountability. 
I couldn't sleep last night after I learned about the fourth Guatemalan migrant child to die in U.S. custody since December. And then this morning I had to go to a meeting and describe the mission of our organization, Santa Fe Dreamers Project. I gave my normal pitch. We provide free legal services to immigrants and refugees to promote economic and community development, educational attainment, family unity, and liberation from detention. And then without thinking about it at all, I added, and now protection from state-sponsored violence. And I have been randomly crying since. Calling what happened to this child state-sponsored violence is a new thing for me. Causation and intent are confusing concepts when you start asking questions. Who killed this kid? Would they have died if they were not in custody? Don't kids just get sick and die sometimes? Doesn't Border Patrol intend to get these kids medical care? After all, didn't they put them in the hospital? What role have the parents played in the decision-making around this? Could it have been avoided? If so, how? All of these questions are messy and vital and valid. But the phrase state-sponsored violence burst out of my head and heart this morning because our country has intentionally created a system that treats migrants so cruelly and with such reprehensible disregard for their safety that we have had four children die trying to navigate it since Christmas. There's nothing accidental about placing people in remote detention facilities far from competent medical care. There is nothing accidental about forcing families to wait months in squalor and peril for the chance to ask for asylum. There's nothing accidental about forcing families into dangerous desert or river crossings with human smugglers when they can't afford to wait at the ports. There's nothing accidental about sending vulnerable people to wait in Mexico for hearings after they have successfully asked for asylum. The danger these migrants face is by design, a deeply transparent design that we can all read the plans to. They've been laid out by Obama, Trump, Sessions, Barr, Miller, Nielsen, and many more for us to see. And we know people die when we treat them like this. And it should be no surprise to anyone that children are the first to succumb to the danger. I always believed that if a children died in U.S. custody, it would be the tipping point for people in our country to put their foots down and say, fuck this, we can think of a better system than the one we have one that doesn't recklessly endanger lives, and one that isn't run by ICE and CBP, two agencies under the administration of madmen who would likely execute migrants if laws didn't get in the way. I couldn't sleep last night because I realized that this tipping point may not be near after seeing one, two, three, and now a fourth kid die in custody. I am wondering where that tipping point is. I'm wondering if a fifth, sixth, or seventh kid needs to die before our national consciousness awakes to our complicity in the deaths and our power to stop them. I know a couple things. First, any federal politician, Democrat or Republican or otherwise, who expects to get my vote needs to explicitly state what they are going to do to get migrants out of the custody of ICE and CBP and reform this system that can and will kill them. Second, Knowing all that, politicians aren't going to save us from this. We are going to save ourselves. I saw the power of the people last summer yelling out when family separation happened. We should be yelling just as loud now. We need the fucking meme. We need our celebrities involved. We need the tweets and we need to plan the marches. And lastly, it is time to reflect on where our own personal tipping points are as fascism marches on our country and what it means when we pass those points. We need a plan. 
These are challenging questions that require work and courage. And yet many, many people and groups are organized to guide us toward action. We need to join them. Since Allegra has recorded her message, two more children have died. Jacqueline Cal McQuinn, seven. Felipe Gomez Alonso, eight. Juan de Leon Guterres, 16. Carlos Gregorio Hernandez Vasquez, 16. And a two-year-old that has not been named. Remember these names. These are the five young people, as young as two years old, who have died in ICE custody in the last five months. For 10 years prior, not one death, not a child, not an adult, not one single death, and five in the last five months. Amnesty International has asked how many deaths will it take for the administration to ensure the safety and security of children? It's dangerous and cruel to detain people, particularly children, in crowded and unsanitary conditions for seeking protection, it said. <laughs> Just kind of seems obvious, doesn't it? But we've criminalized people coming across the border. We've othered them into oblivion. We say that we are all about life. We're pro-life. We want to save babies. We want to save children who have no voices. Yet somehow these five young people don't qualify for that. Some folks would say, why are they taking a chance and coming here anyway? It's dangerous. Our borders were too full. We can't handle any more people. Those, that's the narrative anyway. But yet they do continue to come in numbers growing every month, despite the crackdowns that this government has put in place, despite the hard line that it's taken. DHS is not equipped. ICE is definitely not equipped. CPB is not equipped. Why doesn't this happen anywhere else? Why does it continue to happen here? What will it take for this to change? How many more people have to die? When will we stop criminalizing these people? I don't have the answers, but I know that every single time we talk about who these people are and why they come here, there is a contingent of people who want to make them out to be worthless, to be ignorant, to be unproductive and in, unable to be a positive attribute to our society. Yet this country was absolutely made by immigrants. Even our president has immigrants working for him, most of them undocumented. So there's a hypocrisy here. There's a line that we can draw directly to the fact that these are brown people. These are people that are viewed as less than. I just saw an article about the gentleman who started Chobani, who is an immigrant himself, who has started a campaign to basically feed school children because he was given an opportunity. He was given a chance. And now he's one of the most successful people in this country. And he's stepping up to take care of people. Our humanity 
our ability for sympathy and empathy and understanding is being stretched to the limit. I keep hearing people say, is this who we are? That's not who we are. This is not our country. But yet here we are. When we corporatize detention systems, when we allow ourselves to live in fear, we take away every shred of possibility that we can come to a solution that is equitable, that is humane and decent. I don't have the answers, but I don't want this to be our legacy. As we sign off today, I am left wondering, when will we embrace the notion that we are all one in this world together? And in that way, we are responsible for each other. Martin Sheen once expressed this notion perfectly when he wrote, whether we acknowledge it or not, we are all responsible for each other. We are all responsible for each other and the world, which is exactly the way it is, because consciously or unconsciously, we have made it so. And while none of us made any of the rules that govern the universe or the human heart, we are all beneficiaries of a divine promise that the world is still a safe place despite our fears and we in it. I want to thank you so much, Allegra, for joining us on America Speaks today. And I just want to say how vitally important the work you are doing is. And if anyone wants to reach out to Allegra, the best way to contact her is through the Santa Fe Dreamers Project. That's www.santafedreamersproject.org. I want to thank our producer, Kim Langbecker, for joining us with her commentary today. If you have protested for anything in the past 18 years, you very well may be in my book, I Protest. Please go to my website, tishlampert.org, that's www.tishlampert.org, and see if you can find yourself in my book. You can also follow me on Twitter, at tishlampertcom. That's at T-I-S-H-L-A-M-P-E-R-T-C-O-M. And find me on Instagram, T-I-S-H underscore L-A-M-P-E-R-T underscore O-R-G. And I want to invite everyone to go to Tish Lampert's America Speaks on Apple Podcasts, where you can find our archived episodes. And once again, I want to thank James Koblenz and Kim Langbacker, without whom this episode would not be possible. And lastly, we would love to hear from you. Please write to us at americaspeakspodcast at gmail.com and tell us what you thought of today's episode and come back for our next episode of America Speaks. Remember, America Speaks believes every one of us has a story. And a voice. <laughs>